this weekend we had uh, a few few adults and several kids uh, students go to the acquire the acquire the fire event and uh, that was it and uh, I want to I thank Pastor Christine I want to thank uh, Sheree and Julia and Heather for uh, going this weekend it was an awesome time it was a long couple of days but uh, and I want to thank the youth that went how many of you guys went all right. Hey, I, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to come up here. Christine, where's your mic? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be easier than a, a root canal, I promise you. And what I want you to do is I want you just to state your first name. I'll start with you, Matthew. And I want you just to say one sentence of, of what, what you experienced or what God showed you or... You know, just don't start preaching, okay? All right. All right. Uh, my name's Matthew, and I just had a blast getting to know the Lord and getting to know my friends. Okay. Very good. That's good. My name's Jair, and it was awesome. Uh, my name's Ramon, and it was, it was life-changing, and I loved it. I really got to know the Lord. Much better, and it was just awesome. My name is Chantel, and I learned about what the Holy Spirit can do when He touches your heart. Mm. Yeah, that's right. My name's Alexis, and it was incredible. I loved it. My name's Fiona, and it was amazing. My name's Shana, and it was really good. My name's Kyla, and I learned about resilient, to be resilient for God. <laughs> My name's JC, and I had a fun time praising God. My name's Nathan, and it was just the most amazing thing I've ever done. Wow. All right, and with that, the student ministry is released to go back. Thank you, guys. See, that wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> you did great. Thank you. Man, I tell you, I went on Friday night, and uh, uh, at one point in time during the service, they called for all the kids that wanted to just experience God on a deeper level or recommit their life or were dealing with things, and all of our kids went up. I was, I know this is going to be a surprise to you, but I was crying. I was <laughs> I was weeping. I was so touched, and it was so powerful. And, uh, and ladies, I want to thank y'all for going with the youth because I know it was a life-changing event. And uh, the reason more men went there was because we were having a men's group meeting the next day, and we were having some wonderful ribs uh, that Lewis smoked for us. But it was it was an awesome event. And then we had our men's meeting yesterday, and it was really good. Um, I want to encourage you men to come to the men's meeting. It's normally the, the second Tuesday of the month, and we had it on Saturday yesterday so that we could have some ribs and some time of fellowship. But it's really important that you get plugged in. So with that, I want to welcome everyone. You're looking good. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. We are uh, continuing in this series, The Gifts from the Holy Spirit. And if you've missed any of these teachings, I encourage you to go back online and watch watch the, the sermons or listen to the sermons. And, and this morning I want to talk about uh, what's referred to as the seven motivational gifts that are found in the Bible. 
And uh, before I go there, I want to talk a little bit about last week when Kirk Whalen was here. We've been talking about the gifts from the Holy Spirit, and we're talking uh, primarily about the spiritual gifts that God gives. But last week we saw a wonderful demonstration of a gift being given to a man, a, a wonderful musical gift given to Kirk Whalem, and how God can work through that man and the giftings that he has to not only impact our lives, but the body of Christ. And I thought that was a great example because, as we're going to talk about a little more today, that when God gives us gifts, He wants us to use us with excellence. And He gives us the gifts so that we can have an influence and an impact in the world around us. And I think last week was a great example of God. And, and uh, wow, the presence of the Lord was so strong here last week. I mean, it was just really, really awesome. And another thing I want to say about that is that whenever we have a musical guest come, uh, you may say, well, I don't really like smooth jazz. You know what? It's so much more than about the music. It's about the Spirit of God being here and moving. And I liked what Kirk had to say, that sometimes music can do things in us. Like, like you can't see the wind blow, but you see the effects of the, the leaves blowing on the ground. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but you feel the effects of the Holy Spirit working in your life or speaking to you. And music can do that thing. You know, uh, God created music. And so whenever, whenever someone comes like Kirk or we have Tom Braxton coming in July, you know, it's about worshiping. And we talk about worship is not just um, entertainment. It's about engaging with Him. And so regardless of who's here, I want you to come because I don't want you to miss out on anything. I know if, if I'm not preaching or someone else is preaching or there's a musical guest here, listen, the Holy Spirit is the orchestrator of our services. And so he orchestrates those things. And I shared last week how, how amazing it was that Kirk Whalem even ended up here. Uh, so I'm not going to go over that. If you, if, you didn't, if you weren't here last week, go online and watch the sermon. That, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. But I want you here whenever these doors are open, on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, so that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord and grow with each other. Okay, so two weeks ago I taught on faith, and uh, you know I, I think through this series I really wanted to just jump into the gifts from the Holy Spirit, but the Lord had me back up and slow down, and we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we also have been contra contrasting the fruit or the results from our sinful nature that we were born with, with the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've been laying that foundation. Again, if you've missed any of those sermons, please go back online and uh, watch those. Also, uh, regarding gifts from the Holy Spirit, there are a few places in the Bible that most teachings come from. And one of those areas is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. And sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14 is chapter 13, which is kind of the chapter on love. And I think that's amazing that in between the gifts, love is in the center of it. Center of it. And so let me, let me be clear that it's all about love. It's all about love. We have some scriptures from 1 Corinthians up there on the wall talking about love. And let's never elevate the gifts that God gives above the giver of the gifts. He is the target. He is the one that we really focus on. But God gives us great gifts. But we never want to lose sight that it's not about the gifts that he gives. 
It's about the giver of those gifts, the lover of our soul. So uh, also another place where we've been focusing on and teaching is in Romans chapter 12. And the Word of God, the Bible, is full of examples and stories of God's gifts to His people and, and to us as well. And I have one point this morning. Normally I have three, but I have one point this morning. And it, it is Jesus is still the greatest gift. He is the greatest gift. Through this series, we've already looked at the greatest gift, Jesus. And uh, God's greatest gift to us is His grace and restoration found through Jesus. And Jesus did a completed work on the cross. Now, before we go to Romans 12, I want to go to Ephesians 2.8. This is a scripture that you guys should have memorized by now. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. So I just wanted to underscore that again. And I, let's review some of the gifts that Christ gave to the church, specifically to the church, which is found in our core scripture, which is four, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And verse 11 says, And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And if you go ahead and read through that passage of scripture, it says why they're given, to build up the saints, to train up and build up the saints, so that we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, so that we become mature believers and disciples. And so those are, those are some of the gifts that are specifically given to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Even so, even though these, these offices are designated for the church, they're also used outside of the church. Um, sometimes God opens up doors for us to use even those giftings. I know that the Lord has allowed me to share words of prophecy with people outside of the church. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to shepherd and pastor people that I work with. The Lord has given me the opportunity to start Bible studies where I work. Okay, what are, the, what are those five offices? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And so God has given all of us an opportunity to evangelize, to share the love of Christ. But uh, even though these are specific giftings for the church, those, they can be used outside of the church. The, the thing is, if we will just avail ourselves to God, say, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do through my life today? Is there someone that I need to be praying for? Is there an opportunity that you're going to open up where I can pray for someone? Are you giving me a word, maybe a scripture? It doesn't have to be all religious and, you know, like we think prophecy has to be. It can be just sharing the word. You know what? I have a word for you. Of all of creation, James 1.18, of all of creation, you're God's prized possession. You know, that can impact somebody's life. It can certainly help their day out. They're having a rough day. And so as we just avail ourselves to the Lord, maybe he's going to give us an opportunity. Maybe somebody comes to you at work and says, man, I have a question about the Bible, or I have a question about this or that. And so you're trained and equipped and you're prepared to help teach others because you've been coming to Bible study. It's amazing how many times something will happen like we'll, in Bible study, we're going through the book of Luke, and maybe just Wednesday night, uh, we, we covered something and then you got to work on Thursday and somebody says, you know, I have a question about that. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I know the answer to that one because I remember it from last night. But it's amazing how God will do those kinds of things as we avail ourselves, as we're prepared and ready to share the things of God. And just share, you know, a lot of times just sharing what he's doing in our life. 
So the Lord has given me opportunity outside of the church, at Walmart, <laughs> in the parking lot. You know, when I worked out in the secular environment, all kinds of opportunities as we avail ourselves. He makes it happen. Kirk Whalen plays all over the world. The Holy Spirit can move powerfully in a huge arena or concert setting, just like he, like he did here on Sunday. You know, the Holy Spirit's not limited. And so as we just obey and follow, the Lord will do amazing things to our lives. So this morning I'm going to be talking about the motivational gifts. It's found in Romans 12, verses 6 through 13. And we're also going to be going to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And uh, before we get into Romans, I want to just run through these seven motivational gifts. We're going to read through these in these uh, these passages of Scripture, but these are what's called the, the seven motivational gifts. And uh, don't get hung up on that. You know, God has so many gifts for us. Um, but it talks about gift of prophecy. It talks about serving. We're going to learn about teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, kindness, those kinds of things. Those are uh, gifts that the Lord gives us. The key is found in Romans 12, 9, though. And I'm going to start there, and it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. That is the key. Love is the key. And that's why I pray on a regular basis. I say, God, help me to love others the way that you love them and the way that you love me. And I encourage you to pray that same prayer, and you will be amazed at what God does in your heart. Ah, oh, that he will change our hearts to love people, to have a passion for people, for the lost. That's not natural, because I know me, and it's not natural. But as, as I pray and I, I ask the Lord to do that in my life, he does that. And he will do that in your life as well. So let's go to Romans 12, 6. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God gives a number of different gifts. And consider the influence that Kirk Whalem has. He uses his God-given gifts, but he uses them well. What if he played terribly? You know, how much influence do you think he would have? How many people would go to see the concerts and allow, uh, which, which allows Kirk to share the gospel? How many people would buy his, his CDs and stuff if he was really terrible? He wouldn't have the influence that he has, but he's taking the giftings of God, the gifts of God, and then as we saw last, last Sunday, not only did he play excellently, but God began to speak through his life. And so the music, the saxophone, was just kind of a way to open the door up for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak through him and impart to us. So... Uh, the influence that Kirk has, I don't know how many thousands, millions of people that, it, that it's had the opportunity to impact. What about your influence? You may not be impacting millions of people or playing before tens of thousands of people, but you have influence. And think about how God can expand the influence that he gives and anoint you as you use those gifts with excellence, as you're prepared and ready Use the gifts that God gives with excellence. Let's, let's continue on here in Romans 12, 6. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out 
with as much faith as God has given you. And we talked about that last week, so I'm, or two weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there where I, uh, two weeks ago when I talked about faith. And uh, I'm going to hold off on talking about prophecy till we get later in, into this series, um, because that's, that's going to take some time, and, and we don't have three or four hours today. Uh, or, or do you? you want to, okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we're going to get there, but prophecy is an important gift. Let's go on to uh, Romans 12, 7. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Do you realize that ministry means serving? When we're ministering, we're serving. And uh, this Greek word used here for ministry, or for serving, is diakonia. Diakonia is the, the Greek word, and it means to serve. It means an attendant as a servant. It also means to be an aide. It means serving as a teacher or a minister. So if, you, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Come on. Take the gifts that God gives you seriously. Oh, well, I only have the gift of serving. That's not only the gift of serving. It's a gift that God has given to you. It's important to the body of Christ. And when you drive up into the parking lot, what do you see? You see Cliff and his team out there serving, welcoming, welcoming people in. Is that important? I think it's very important. Yeah, and, and so as people are driving by, you see Cliff and, and Kathy and the guys out there waving. Come on in. It's a safe place here. We love you. We want to welcome you. So serving is important. It's part of the culture. It's part of the heart. It's part of the DNA of life fellowship. It's really important. It's the heart of God. What did Jesus do? He said, I came to serve. I came to serve. Uh, to love others and to serve one another. That's really important. At Life Fellowship, our team leaders have the role of serving. Not only serving the body of Christ here, but serving the team that they lead. If Raina's back there making coffee and, uh, you know, somebody else is, is scheduled, she's back there and she's like, how can I help you? You need some help with anything. See, it's, it's not just about getting a task done. It's about building those relationships and having that connection with one another and helping one another, serving one another. I mean, how many of you come here on Sunday morning and like to drink the coffee? Is, is it good? You, you like it? And so it takes somebody doing that. It doesn't just happen. Oh, Lord, make 20 gallons of coffee in the coffee pot. It doesn't happen. It takes people like us serving. My primary role is to serve all of you by leading you and ensuring you're being spiritually fed. That's my primary role. And so, you know, my role is, I'm the senior pastor. My role is a servant. And so we talk about Servant leadership at Life Fellowship. Listen, if you want to lead, you better know how to serve because that's what you're going to do. That's what it's all about. In fact, we're all called to serve each other in the body of Christ. I have an example. Have you ever been to a restaurant and they have somebody in there like, how may I serve you? How may I help you? May I serve you? I'm here for you. I better not go that way. I'll get a feedback. But how can I serve you, sir? May I wash your feet? Think about Jesus. What did he do? He came to serve. He, he was a great example. And you see where, uh, you know, he washed the disciples' feet. That was a spot reserved for, for the lowest servant in the household because these guys were walking out on the street in sandals and 
how many of you have ever raised an animal in 4-H or FFA? And how many of your animals have said, uh, excuse me, uh, Master, I, I need to go over here and go to the bathroom? They don't do that, right? I raised a couple of hogs. Those, those pigs are nasty, man. I mean, I'm seriously telling you. So you have all these animals, you have all these people on these main thoroughfares, and the donkey says, i got to go to the bathroom, dude, and I'm going right now. And you have people walking through those things. And so when, I don't mean to be disgusting, but the fact is when people would come into their homes, it was an honor to wash their feet. And that's what Jesus did. He said, listen, I want to serve you. I'm going to take the position of the lowest servant in the household and wash your feet. Are you willing to serve God like that? <laughs> We're all called to be servants. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm serving you. You're a servant of the Lord. You should be serving one another, serving your family, serving in the local body. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Verse 7 goes on to say, if you are a teacher, just teach, you know, kind of average. No. If you're a teacher, teach well. Pastor Christine spends most of her day on Wednesday studying to pre prepare for Bible study. Her gifting, she has a strong gifting in teaching. And in fact, I've, I've told her, I said, you know, you've got so many things on your platter. Maybe we need to pull you out of teaching on Wednesday. And she's like, oh, please, don't do that. Don't take that away. Take everything else away, but don't take my teaching. She has a passion for teaching the Bible, and she's very good at it. She's very gifted at it. But you know what? Wednesdays are normally about a 12 to 14 hour day, and she spends at least six or seven hours of that day preparing I'm confident that she could walk in here at 6.45, turn to the, the book of Luke, chapter 22, 23, wherever we are, and begin to teach and, and walk through those scriptures and do it very well. I'm confident. She's, she's solid in the Word. She's a great teacher. But she spends time back there amidst all the other distractions that, that go on during the day, in that 13-hour day. Um, but she spends time and she's seeking the Lord. She's saying, Lord, what, what do you want me to teach? Okay, I know that I'm going to be teaching in chapter 22, verses 1 through whatever. Okay, so the outline is there. But what do you want me to teach? When I get to the scripture, what do you want me to share? What's your heart on this, God? And how do you want me to share this? What is the perspective that you want me to bring? What are some of the questions that you want me to ask the class to stimulate some conversation and, and, and get, the, get everyone thinking? And so she's taking time to prepare, to teach well. 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Okay, let me be very, very clear about something here. We're not talking about working to earn our salvation. We're saved by grace, through faith when we believe, not of our works. In fact, let's go to Ephesians 2.8 again. God saved you by His grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. But what God is saying, and I think I, I used the scripture last week, I think it's Psalm 33.3. It says, basically, play skillfully before the Lord. If God has given you a musical talent, get in the woodshed and practice. Please. Those people listening want to hear some quality music. They don't want to hear a bunch of squeaking and squawking and singing off key and all that kind of stuff. So God gives us uh, gifts, but we, like as musicians, we have to work at it. I don't know how many 
I don't know how many hundreds, maybe even thousands of hours I sat in my room. There were times when I was younger when I would play drums for like eight or ten hours. It must have driven my parents crazy just to hear drums playing for eight hours straight. You know, but here's the point that when God gives us a gift, we need to take those things seriously. And it doesn't mean that we don't have to work at it. We have we should be taking those gifts seriously. Second Timothy, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So that's why we talk about having the Word of God in us, knowing the Word of God, but also applying the Word of God in our life. Because we all know people that can quote you Scripture backwards and forwards that, that know Scripture, but they don't live it. They don't apply it to their life. So it doesn't do much good. So we need to have the Word of God in us, and we need to correctly explain the Word of truth. As there's a standard of excellence here at Life Fellowship, there's also a strong work ethic expected here. And, uh, man, you know, I've always had a strong work ethic. I, I'm, I'm thankful to my dad for instilling that in me. Uh, but let me tell you, I've never worked harder in my life than I do now. But you know what? I love it. I love it. I, I'm passionate about it, and I love seeing lives touched and changed, and, and I love the, the opportunity to... Uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to me and, and put sermons together. I love my job. And so whatever God has given you to do, do it with excellence. Another characteristic is high integrity. Man, don't compromise your integrity. And, and I, many of you know this, but I love The Voice. I love watching that show on TV because those people are so passionate. Ah. Okay, yeah, they're probably trying to get a record deal and win a million bucks, but they are passionate. Whenever they are singing, those that are good, that are really making it to the top, are giving it all that they have. Listen, let's not hold back. Let's give it all that we got. Come on. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine says, Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary men. And I think about my position today. I think about how I was working for an ordinary man, ordinary company. And now I'm reporting to the king. It's awesome. But you know what? Excel. Whatever you're doing in your workplace, be a leader. Work hard. Uh, many times what we see in, in our workplaces is working with excellence and doing well will get us a promotion. I mean, have you ever, well, I know sometimes there are situations where people are promoted just based on seniority. You know, the guy could be lazy, but because he's got the seniority, he gets promoted. But that's not always the case, and that's not always fair. But a lot of times you'll see that people that are working hard and working with excellence will be promoted. Do you know that it's the same in the kingdom of God? Is that as we're faithful in the small things, God will give us more? Again, I'm not talking about working to earn our salvation. I know there's so many people that, that think that, and, and that's just wrong thinking. I mean, that's how the world thinks. You work hard and you get promoted, and that's true. But in God's kingdom, we're saved by grace through faith when we believe. However, as we take the gifts of God that he gives to us, and we use us with, with excellence, and we live a life of integrity, God will do something. He will open doors. He will pour out an anointing on us that goes way beyond us. 
because we can be trusted. He can trust us to take those gifts and use those well. Okay, let's go back to Romans 12, 7. You guys with me? You still what? All right, good. Romans 12, 7. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. You see a common thread here? If God has given you something, do it well. Teaching children is important. That's the reason teachers are required to be a, a member of Life Fellowship. That's why we do a background check on them, on every teacher. And that's why we're training them and equipping them to teach well. Because listen, those children back there are important. And the things that we're imparting into them are not only impacting their life now, but will uh, shape their life for all of eternity. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, or great-great-great. Because of what's happening in your children. And that's why I was so touched to acquire the fire Friday night. Huh. Those kids went down front and they were touched by God. Some of them were weeping. Some of them may have been yielding their life to God for the first time there. It's, it's life-changing. I think Yaman said it was life-changing. I believe that. So we have the opportunity to not only impact one another's lives, not only our children, but the, the person sitting next to you right now, you have the opportunity to impart into their life. Listen, we need one another. That's why the local church is so vitally important for accountability and to encourage one another, to help one another. We need one another. James 3.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so that's why we prepare our teachers. Karen and Michelle are, and, and Christine have written curriculums. There's a strategic, deliberate approach to training up our children. And their role is to help the teachers. So, uh, listen, we're not just throwing people back there and say, okay, well, you know, here, here's a page. Have the kids color, color a picture of Jesus, you know, with crayons. We're giving them a curriculum because it's too important, guys. It's too important to just throw something at them and let them be entertained for an hour. We're teaching them the things of God because it's going to impact their life now and forever. And so we're about training up the teachers and leading them. So listen, you read the scripture and you're like, well, I don't want to be a teacher. Listen, what if God has called you to teach? And you're like, well, you know, I, I just don't want to do it. And then you get to heaven and, and, and God's like, listen, I'll open up some opportunities for you to teach. Why didn't you teach? Are you going to let fear keep you? Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-discipline. And, and what's that, that word, power? It's dunamis, where we get our word dynamite from. It's dy dynamic power. It's explosive power. And that's the power that God wants to work through our lives as we yield to Him. It's not our own power. It's not our own strength. It's the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. And so this is why Michelle and, and Karen are helping the teachers. Because it's too important, guys. It's too important. This is why they've, they've written this curriculum. There's been a lot of time and effort and energy into preparing the, the lessons and the curriculum that they're teaching. And I think this is a great analogy. If you've been in Texas very long, you know that football is king. Man, they start training those kids up at peewee football. I mean, they're serious about it, aren't they? By the time they get to junior high and high school, hey, in high school, they may not be learning anything, but we've got a first-class football team. You know, I mean, football is, is where it's at. I'm not saying that's right. 
but football is king. And so as we train up our children and prepare them, listen, you know, I don't mean to speak anything negative over, over them, but I think our kids are headed for some rough times, man. I mean, just look at what's happening in the world around us, and they need to be prepared. They need to know something as basic as a lot of Christians sitting in churches today that don't know that God really does love them. They need to know that. They need to know that God can work through their lives and wants to work through their lives and do amazing things. They need to know those kinds of things. They're not going to learn that watching TV or playing video games. They're going to get that from the Word of God that we're imparting to them that you need to be imparting to your children. Listen, we should be reinforcing what's already happening at home. And I think there's, there's even uh, like sheets back there, right, for the parents to take home where they can uh, help, uh, help their children throughout the week and say, hey, this is what you studied this week. Let's talk about this. Or maybe the children come home and they've had a rough day or somebody's picking on them or something and maybe they just learned about suffering or, or patience or loving others. Love your enemies, those who hate you. And so we can instill those kinds of things in them. Uh, not only do the teachers learn, but they're being blessed by pouring into our children. I mean, it's amazing that you pour into these children and then you see them 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and you're like, wow, I had a part in that. I see a, a young man or a young woman that's mighty in God, that understands that God really loves them, that understands that God is for them. And even, even though they've gone through some adversity, maybe I've seen them come out on the other side strong because they know where... Their strength comes from. And so we have a great opportunity to do that. I've said this before, but I cannot think of one person, not one, and I know a lot of people, I know thousands of people, I cannot think of one mature Christian that is not serving in the local church, not one. So serving is important. So if God has given you the gift of teaching, man, listen, we need some help back there. Jump on board, man, and teach well. Be prepared. Romans 12, 8. If your gift is to encourage, be discouraging. Oh, that's kind of a duh. If your gift is to, to encourage, be encouraging. Come on. Let's build one another up. Let's say encouraging things. Hey, mighty man of God, how you doing today? Hey, mighty woman of the Most High God, how are you today? You know, God loves you. I love it when I see your smiling face when you come in every Sunday. I love seeing you out there working and sweating and setting up and serving me, bringing me coffee, preparing for me. You know, uh, God has given me the gift of encouragement, and I love to encourage other people. It's part of how I'm wired. It's part of my DNA. And not only do I receive great joy for, for encouraging others, it, it's a gift, uh, you know, it, it's just wonderful to see God working through our lives when we are in our element and we're just flowing. And I can't tell you the number of times where God has used me to encourage someone. And, and this could be in a secular work environment where the presence of God, the love of God is so strong, I'm having a hard time not crying 
And that person, I can see it on them too. A word of encouragement can build somebody up. It can touch their life. It can be a, a, a mechanism in which God pours through our life to touch somebody's life. Man, I'm not talking about just changing them for the day. I'm talking about getting them to thinking, man, I want, I want to feel that on a regular basis. Not just when so-and-so walks in here and has an encouraging word. I want to live there. I want to live it. So it's powerful. That's a powerful gift. How do you feel when, when you bless someone? How do you feel when you pay it forward at the grocery store? How does that make you feel? It feels wonderful. And so as we serve the Lord, as we serve others, we're living it. Romans 12, 8. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. It goes on to say, if, you're, if your gift is giving, give generously. If you have a gift of giving, and many of you do, don't never feel bad about that. That's a gift. And I think Robert Morris talked about it in, in the, uh, the Blessed Life series. He, he talked about how that a lot of times people that have the gift of giving are, are made to be treated worse than others. Well, if you really love God, you give away that, all that money in that big house. You know what? They're probably the biggest givers in the church already. And I like what Robert Morris said. He gave an example where there was a guest pastor in town, and, and they were driving by this, this home that was very, very large and obviously cost a lot of money. And as they were driving by, uh, this guest pastor told Pastor Robert, well, if they really love God, they'd sell that house and give it to the poor. And he said, well, actually, those people go to Gateway Church, and, and they're very generous in their giving. You know, if you really love God, why wouldn't you sell your house and give it to the poor? I mean, come on. Just because people have money, just because people are, are blessed, let's not treat them differently. God has blessed them, and probably because they are givers. Probably because they're willing to say, God, here it is. It's all yours. What do you want? And he said, well, here, I'm going to give you this and this and this. And, well, I'm going to give it away. Well, here, I'll give you this and I'll give you even more. You cannot outgive God. So listen, if you have the gift of giving, give. <laughs> Come on. That's what you're wired to do. One of the important principles that we've learned and we're learning and we should know is just as A plus B equals C, as we give, God reciprocates and he blesses back. And you cannot outgive God. It's a wonderful thing. And if you're, here, if you're here this morning and you're new, let me be very clear. We don't teach to give to get. I know there are a lot of churches that do. Give $77 and you're going to win the lottery or you're going to win a month. We don't teach that. We teach that we're to give because we honor God and because God's word says that the first 10% of our increase belongs to him. And so that's why we give. We give to reflect the heart of God and to obey. And the amazing thing is that a blessed 90% goes a whole lot further than a curse 100%. So, um, this is not a tithing message, but we need to be giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm, I'm talking about giving. Up. You know what? I'm really talking about giving much greater than that. Giving our life to God. Give it all to Him. And uh, as you give, God gives you back more. As you give grace, God will give you grace. Think about planting a seed. And you take a, an orange seed and you plant it and you get a tree and you get one orange. That's not how it works, is it? You always get back much more 
than what you planted. And I remember hearing this years ago, and I, it's always stuck with me. I thought it was really good. It says, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. Man, listen, when we plant, God will multiply. And so as we're giving generously of our time, our talents, our resources, God gives back to us. As we give in forgiveness and grace and mercy, God gives back to us. So let's, let's continue to be the giving people that we are. Givers typically want to see a good return on their investment. And what better return on your investment than building the kingdom of God and investing into the lives of people? Man, I'm telling you, the return is eternal. So let's continue to be givers. And it's my desire to continue to help those with the gift of giving, uh, to develop their gifts. Just as I would help someone that's, uh, that has a gift of teaching or encouragement, I want to help them develop those gifts so it would be with someone that has a gift of giving. I want to help you. So they're all gifts and they're all good. Romans 12 eight continues, If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. Realize that if God has given you a position of leadership, it's not to build your own ego. It's not for a title. God has given you a gift to lead his people. And as we've been seeing, if God gives us a gift, what do we need to do? We need to use that gift well. This is a really sobering scripture for me. And I want to read it. It's in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. I've, I've seen oftentimes where God will give me insight into a situation or someone's life. The Lord will often give insight to those who lead you. Um, a shepherd looks out for the flock, just like parents watch over their children. I, and I know this is true. Moms, sometimes y'all just know stuff. And he's like, how did you know that? You just know stuff. And so God will speak to your spiritual leaders and, and those that God has placed over you. A lot of times you don't, you don't know what God's telling them, but there are times when the Lord will speak to me about some of you and things that are going on in your life. So careful what you're doing now. Uh, but, but God will speak to me and give me insight into a direction. Why? Because God has called me to lead. And so that's helpful information to know. So let's look at the first part of this. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. And, and let me say this too. Spiritual leaders should be leading you in what is godly and what is best for you and your family. That's my heart. And I, 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 I'm not sure that all pastors have that heart and mentality because I've seen other pastors where there's a situation, a difficult situation where there needs to be some correction brought and they'll bury their head in the sand. They'll sweep it under the carpet. They'll ignore it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not called to be popular. I'm called to be your pastor. Amen. And if I love you, if I see something going on in your life, I don't like confrontation. I don't have an option. I have to confront it. So if I see sin or something going on that I know about, I'm going to pray about it, and then I'm going to do what the Lord says. Sometimes the Lord will say, wait, just wait. And I think sometimes he will give us the opportunity to get it right. But sometimes God will say, okay, you know, they'll deal with it. Listen, I don't like conflict, but, well, let me read on here. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls 
and they are accountable to God. They're accountable to God. I'm going to stand before God one day. So, you know, well, God, you know, they're kind of a strong personality. and Or I was afraid they'd get mad and leave the church. It's not going to fly. If you really love them, you will confront sin. You will, you will help people. Um, and so we have the opportunity to do that, too. We talked about this yesterday at the men's group a little bit. We talked about men. You're the leaders of the home. Straight up. And if you don't take the lead, I'm pretty sure your wife will. She'll take it. That's not her role. Your role is to lead godly, lead well, lead strong. I'm not talking about being a dictator. I'm talking about leading godly. Jesus said, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for the church. Man, we need to, we need to lead our families. That's one of the problems that we see in America. That's one of the problems we see in homes. We, that's one of the problems we see in the church. Men are not taking their rightful position and role. So let's lead well. Uh, their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. A spiritual leader is appointed to watch over those they lead. And they are accountable to God. So I take this role very seriously. You know, one of the, the greatest challenges as, as a pastor is to to lead people that are not teachable. It just won't, you know. You see sometimes people going around the mountain time and time again. And, uh, you know, it, 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 breaks, it breaks my heart when, when there are individuals that won't follow God, that won't submit to authority, that won't receive God, godly counsel. And I think it breaks the heart of God because it impacts families. It impacts marriages. And uh, it's, it's terrible to see marriages and families suffer needlessly. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That certainly would not be for your benefit. One of the other things that we encourage you to do, and I've already done this, already this morning, is come on Wednesday night, come on Sunday morning. You know, what's interesting is sometimes I'll talk to somebody and they'll bring up a situation or a problem or something going on, and I'm like, you know, we just talked about that last night of Bible study. I just taught on that on Sunday. Why don't you go back and listen to the sermon if you weren't here. You know, so if, if we will just be involved and yield our life to God, God will take care of stuff for us that that we didn't even know was coming. Maybe that will avoid a situation. If you would have been here on Wednesday or Sunday morning and heard that teaching, maybe you wouldn't have made the decision on Monday morning that got you into a jam. So we need to stay plugged in. We need to submit to the authority and, and realize that uh, if you have a good pastor, that pastor loves you. That pastor put his life on the line for you. That pastor will stand in the gap for you and take shots from the front, from the rear, from the side. It's the heart of a pastor. Uh, Romans 12.8 If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. Many times the church has lowered the standard to permit individuals that are compromising godly values to come in and lead because they they need somebody to fill that position or whatever. 
We're not going to do that here. Integrity is vital. Let's never compromise our values. It's, it's certainly not good for the leaders to do that, and it's not good for those who are leading to be under someone that has compromised values, that doesn't have integrity, especially in ministry. If you're a leader in the church, lead godly, lead strong, lead well. If you're a man, if you're married, lead your family, lead strong, lead well, lead godly. Romans 12, 8. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Listen, don't be all uptight, you know, about it. Really love people. That's what we just read in, in verse 9. And so if God has given you a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Come on. They need it. God probably put that knucklehead in your path because they need some kindness. Because they couldn't get it over there. So God puts them in your path so that you can be kind. So that you can pray for them. So that you can say, God, show me what's going on here. This person is like a cactus, man. They got all these thorns. I don't even want to get near them. And God will begin to show you, maybe, that they, they're so wounded, that they've been so hurt, or whatever that looks like. And they just really need somebody to love them. And maybe that's why God is sending them across your path. Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate. Hate, a strong word. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I believe this is one of the strengths of life fellowship, that there is true, authentic love here. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really special. And I know that God is doing something and has been doing something special and will continue to do something special in this church as we just allow him to fill us with love and our love just reaches out to those around us. This is one of the most important things that God desires from us. Verse 12, uh, Romans 12, 11 says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Are you serving on a team? No? Why? We have plenty of opportunities. Come on. Those that are serving are the ones that are really growing. That are yielding to the Lord. The benefits are, et are eternal. And finally here, well, not finally, but in verse 12, it says, Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Don't stop praying. Rejoice. Be patient. Keep praying. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray always. Never stop praying. Keep praying. Trust God. Verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so, you know, we have the, the, the term wit here, whatever it takes. You guys are living that. I see that. Whatever, whatever it takes, whatever needs to be done, you're on it. Practice hospitality. I want you to, to think about this throughout this week. How can I serve you? What do you need? Can I serve you? Can I wash your feet? What do you need? Come on, man. What can I do for you? Do we have that kind of heart? Do we have that kind of heart before God? God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? What can I do? How can I serve you? How can I serve your people? The gifts listed are gift of prophecy, gift of serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, 
leading kindness. And here's the key, Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Are you a disciple of the Lord? Are you a follower? Are you, are you a true follower of Christ? Do you, do you really love people authentically? If you would say, no, I really don't, then pray. Say, God, help me. Really help me, Lord, to love others the way that you love them. Do you have a relationship with God? I'd like for everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I want to ask you a question. I want, you know, I just want you to be honest with yourself, be honest with God. Maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning. Maybe you had a relationship with Him at one time, but you walked away. Or, or maybe God is calling you to back to Him. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Listen, there's no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building today and not receive everything that He has for you. God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with you. Pour into your life. Jesus said, I've come that you have life in abundance. We're going to play a song, and uh, since Ariel is not going to play keys, we're just going to play this song, and I want you to take some time and, and ask the Lord, if you don't know, say, God, what are the gifts that you have for me? What have you given for me? And, and also, say, God, what do you want to say to me today? Is there anything that you want to say to me this morning before we leave? And the third thing is, if you want prayer, I'll be here to pray with you. So let's just take some time. Allow God to speak to us. let's be reminded that God has great gifts for you and he wants us to use those gifts to glorify him and to build up the church to reach out to the lost to share the hope of Christ with others so will you, will you do that this week will you go out and make a difference in your world if you say you're saved if you if you say that you're a disciple of Christ there should be some evidence of it all right so let's go out and live it you're dismissed. Thank you for joining us this morning.